and I mean this in the best way possible, but like the difference there isn't skill set so much as it is confidence again. It's like they mm-hmm. just are willing to say no. It's not that they're 10 times more talented than you. They just say no, which leads to better opportunities instead of being stuck in the cycle of shooting crappy stuff you don't want to with no budget and no plan. And so it's like you have to start that upward spiral, but it all comes down to you controlling the conversation. The end. The end. We're only 25 minutes over. I saw that it had an M mount adapter, which is cool. Yeah. Who did that belong to? Uh, friend Joe. Shout out Joe. Thank you, Joe. Hooking it up for episodes one through three on the video side. Now we're Chris's quality in the toilet for episodes, <laughs> uh, whatever's up next. Uh, yeah, it will be in the toilet until I get a new camera. So you're saying the A7C? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A7C. Cool little camera. There's so many cameras now. I like can't keep track of it all. It's like Oprah. You get a camera. You get a camera. Yeah, totally. And then, I mean, even in like cinema world, it's like I've never tried any of the Panasonic stuff, but I hear really good things about like the EVA one um, and the very cam. And then there's like whole new Canon cameras I haven't tried, like C500 Mark II and the C300 Mark T and the C200 and the C700. And then uh, C700 looks horrible. It does. I heard they're making another one, though, like a full frame, new full frame cinema camera. Yeah, somebody shared uh, the specs with me of that proposed camera, and they said it was going to be like 20 stops of dynamic range. Oh, yeah. I saw Tim Kang or someone posted something about that. But uh, yeah, I just that's all I know. Yeah, it's it's some I, I heard something about like some dual dual gain, high DR, yada, yada, sensor tech. It's all above my pay grade. I like sort of try to explain Bayer patterns to people, and that's the edge of my technical knowledge of sensors. And, and they then quickly are like, oh, we don't care. Just make it look decent. Exactly. Yeah. This yeah. real moral of the story is no one cares. Just make it look better. Yeah, um, just make it fuzzy in the background. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I had that conversation with a client this morning where we were trying to shoot this. Uh, it was like an ATM interaction sort of thing, basically. And we were like, oh, you know, there's like this massive T-Mobile sign on the side of the building that we were like trying to figure out how to frame out. And they're like, can't you just make it blurry? And I was like, <laughs> on the eight. Yeah. So true story though, we ended up going across the street and I put my 100 to 400 on and just like squished everything down so hard. It was really fun. Actually. Quentin was like, I've never, uh, never, never seen anything like that before. Cause I never bring anything that long. That's what uh, focal length were you and what were you shooting just like a talking head at like 300 mil? Oh, no, it was part of a like bank commercial, but it was like ATM uh, like car pulling up, you know, touch reverse, whatever. It's these new ATMs they have now that have like Skype built in. So you like are dealing with a person on the ATM. What? Yeah, it's I've, I don't know if this is like my inner millennial coming out, but I personally feel like it's the least compelling thing ever. Like the last thing I want to do at an ATM is talk to somebody. Um, yeah, but I guess the idea is like it's more like you can go to the bank and do all the stuff you can do inside the bank, except for you don't have to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like cash checks and whatever else. But it's also like they've had that forever and it's called a drive up window. So I don't really understand I don't There's know. real it innovation just, happening in the banking world, man. 
Yeah, it really seems like a solution to a problem that no one has, which, I mean, it's worked out during COVID, I guess. But uh, yeah, just sort of got weird. Got so, Yeah, it's got me two for the same bank. Yeah, but uh, So be careful what you say. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'll, I'll tell them. I don't get it. But I don't think I'm the target uh, demo either. I think, you know, there's there's other demographics of people who are really into it and i'm not one of them i never go to the bank period like i have my all my online banking and phone stuff the only time i go to the bank is if i have to deposit a check that is over my like mobile deposit limit same yep so really cool stuff we're talking about here yeah Uh, the the banking intro i had a uh i had a question what's on your mind how do you how do you deal with uh and let's say recently i don't know if there are any examples that come to mind like negotiation someone reaches out to you and says hey chris are you available these days i've got a thing oh you'll get a description mainly i'll just get hey you available these dates well you know that's that's what i'm saying like there's (laughs) we we've got a thing are you available Right. What's your what's your response? To oh, no, my point is just a lot of times people are just not even considerate enough to give you a description of what the thing is that they want right. you to do on the date. So joke that fell flat. Sorry. No, I get it. Um, so again, start it again. So we, we have a thing on a date. Yep. That's and you then, get a text message or an email. Cool. And that's it. Yep. That's the, OK. Well, first, definitely reply to get more information about said thing. Um. I I think you will probably bring up this uh, this term often though, but you turned me on to it, even though that's a weird phrase. Um, <laughs> so horny uh, for saying it, no, baby. Oh god, oh god, exactly. <laughs> there we go. If you don't say no, your yes won't mean anything. So trying to, I mean, honestly, that's way something that you've like influenced me in the past couple months during our like conversations that kind of led up to us starting this again. Just being. Um, just more confident knowing when the numbers don't line up, you don't have to take the job. And especially if it's a job that isn't going to give you really any reward outside of the monetary gain. That's kind of how I approach things. And, uh, what about you? I know you have gone through a couple iterations of like how you approach project. I think you have a more in depth, uh, answer to than my answer. Cause mine's pretty basic. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm honestly just, I was partially curious because I think this this conversation that happens in our line of work all the time is something that like I was never taught how to do. You know, you just right. sort of figure it out. And I think there are a lot of different assumptions and things people make. And like when I look back at the, you know, first major chunk of years, really up until the last year of how I've handled that conversation, I almost sort of cringe at it because I feel like I've learned so much. Um, yeah. But so it's always just interesting to, to hear that. So the first, cool. th- the place you go, though, is like, tell me more about your project and what do you have budgeted for DP rates? Correct. That's kind of where D- I go first. And also want to make it clear sorry. that like my rate doesn't account for gear some people still think that and it's two separate right. things right you also don't own a ton of gear though so i do people not call anymore. you and be like we need a bunch of gear uh no not anymore but some people depending on their level of expertise and experience will think that uh my rate comes with gear i think that's just kind of the world we live in for a good chunk of projects right 
So let's say I say, hey, cool, we're doing a thing, uh, interview, B-roll, small crew, it's a few days out of town, uh, fly in, one day shoot, fly out. Uh, and so you're just like hitting all of the keywords, aren't you? <laughs> three days total, uh, you know, and we have X number, I don't know, let's say we have like $2,000 budgeted, um, you know, and then I feel like the, the follow-up is always like, are you, it's still like, are you available? But so if someone hits you with something like that, like what are, what's the next step of the conversation? Well, you just hit a whole bunch of like warning words in that description. Uh, fly and fly out only like one day shoot, uh, small, probably nimble, right? Nimble crew maybe. Um, if that's the description that I'm getting back, there's a lot of apprehension about saying yes to the job on my end, at least like to me, you're, what you're asking for is somebody who is f flexible, but they're, you're not going to still, you're not going to pay them for the multiple hats they are going to wear. So there's right. just like, and it's probably won't be run by a competent person. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, but I will say like the, the reality I think for people is like, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta work to make ends meet for the, cause you get called for different stuff than I do. Um, right. are those the sorts of calls you get like on some of this stuff you're doing? That's more like music videos or it seems like bigger teams. Like do they, do they have more information prepared or are you still getting sort of like, are you available these days? And you're like, what is it? And what's the budget? And then like after you're committed, you get that information or is that more prepared on those jobs? Um, so I have taken, so I just started doing large music videos like year, uh, 2018. No, I'll say 2019. So it's really only been like a year and a half to two years. And I used everything that I learned about like setting yourself up for success and like communicating with um, producers over the years and really tried to have the channels of communication about rates, like how I wanted to have them from the beginning. So with though that specific line of work um, started out being super clear about my rate from the beginning um, uh, and not really budging. And also at least a lot of the music videos, like they do the bigger ones that I'm on blessed to be on. Uh, they have a good understanding of what DP rate should be, um, which I'm thankful for because the producers that I get to work with in Nashville are like super knowledgeable. Um, so there's, you know, if I come up, you know, they say here are the dates, um, they usually tell me at least the artist and director and, uh, they quickly after that, like we talk rates and it's been a really good relationship and that's just stuff though, that I think I've learned to get better at. And just from the beginning, talk rates, like just right. rip the bandaid off. Um, so, but that's just a learning experience over the years of kind of being frustrated that I'm not getting quote unquote, you know, the rate that I deserve. And partially that's just my own fault for not being upfront about that conversation. I'm trying to get better at that. And I think I've only gotten better at it in the past, like two years. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So it's a learning experience, I think. And it's always hard depending on how your personality is built. Um, and also how good you are with, you know, money with saving. I think you do a great job at it. Um, being 
pretty upfront also because you do a really good job at saving and just managing your money. And when you do that and you know that you're kind of set up, then you don't have to take those professional like shitty jobs. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's so we've talked a little bit about we want to do a whole episode just about sort of like money and numbers and all that fun stuff. And uh, I think that'll be cool. Um, but also, yeah, I'm I sorry mean, for I, anybody listening to this. This is like a meandering as fuck conversation. <laughs> hey, I think it's good. Well, maybe no. we'll cut some of it out, but I think it's all good. I think people will empathize with this a lot because like I came into easy. it and definitely was a just like creative person who wanted to make things, you know, was coming from a minimum wage job and gear seemed expensive. Rates all sounded crazy. Budgets all sounded crazy. Like you just didn't understand anything. And there's sort of this like slow um, creeping thing that you get exposed to more and more. And, um, you know, you sort of normalize the things. Um, but I feel like there's this piece of that conversation that's interesting. And I guess what I'm curious is like, when you say you've gotten better at that conversation, like, what do you think you were doing poorly before? So, uh, I think one thing what's great about, I guess the past 10 or so years in the internet world is like a lot of us have hacked our way to where we're at. Like a lot of people haven't gone to film school, haven't done the traditional PA workup, um, their rankings, uh, they kind of just jumped in to their particular field and went at it. The thing that the traditional way of coming up though, you start, you start learning it, um, the, what you're worth, what things are worth, what your position is worth in the grand scheme of things. And so, uh, you couldn't really get, you know, the wool thrown over your eyes when somebody comes at you with the rates, um, because you probably had somebody that was in the industry 30 years, you know, helping you along the way. Um, so what I wasn't doing good is just not understanding the value of what I brought to the table mm -hmm. as like an industry wide thing. Um, not asking, just being straight with other DPs, like, Hey, how much are you trying to make? Cause I want to try to hold the line, so to speak, and make sure that we're all valued, um, pro properly across the board. And I think too, like my, I wasn't as confident in what I brought to the table. I wasn't as, uh, open in conversations um with other peers um and i guess getting older just helped like right. i could care less now let's just have this conversation and let's make sure that like i take care of you you take care of me in the world of rates and let's not get pushed around um, right but yeah well i feel I like part of that is uh you know there's a lack of there's a lack of reference points both on the like let's call it the skill side if that's what we're looking at that's like i don't know where i fall in the hierarchy of these positions and then even within that i don't know how the money plays out across that thing you know like when when i was starting out i didn't know what a espn camera operator gets paid i don't know what you know a hollywood cinematographer gets paid so the question of like what do you want to get paid feels like i have no clue like i have no reference points you know and i think yeah. that's where for a lot of us starting out it's like we go well what do you what do you want to give me and then as long as the number isn't crazy you're like that sounds better than most other opportunities i've had in my life so i'll take it um and like something that i look back on is I got so used to saying yes to everything because everything was better than like when I used to work at Marshall's that I got in this sort of bad habit of always deferring, which then yeah. meant that the other person was always in control. And so that's one of the things that I cringe about is like the number of phone calls I've had where someone's like, hey, we'd love for you to do this thing. We've got these days. What's your rate? 
and I would say like, oh, uh, normally I do like, or <laughs> here's what I would say, which is, I cringe listening to it, but hopefully people connect to this is like normal full rates, like a thousand bucks, but I like to be flexible, you know, or something. And like, basically what you might as well say is like, bend me over and tell me what you want to pay me because that thousand dollars I just said is irrelevant, you know, because then the follow-up is like, oh, well we budgeted 750 or we budgeted 400 bucks or we budgeted whatever it is. And sometimes they're like, oh, that's fine. You know, but whatever way it was like, I never had any control in that conversation. It was always like, you just tell me what you're going to give me and I'll take it, you know? So in your example that you gave me, what's your response to that? Uh, Evan, starting out or maybe three years after starting out between and then Evan now, like what are the differences? I think one of the big differences is having a sense of what I want and being comfortable asking for what I want um, instead of feeling like I'm obligated to whatever the party on the other side has said. And I think that happens to me. Like I've been doing less uh, freelance DP work for the last year, but even on the production direct to client, direct to agency side, you know, I think there's a tendency starting out to go, what's your budget, what's your number, and then whatever someone says, you say, okay, cool, and then I'm going to go reverse engineer how to make something off of that, and I feel like I've gotten a lot more confident with saying, this is what we need, you know, whether it's for a project budget, for my own rate, this is what I need pre-pro-wise, whereas I used to always be like, you didn't, you didn't budget prep days, that's fine, you didn't, you know, budget for my rate, that's fine. But you don't start out with that on the response email, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, sometimes I think it depends on the project. So like part of part of the reason that I'm asking you this is I had a conversation with a DP friend of ours today who was asking me a similar thing because he had gotten a uh, he gotten reached out to by a production company that said, hey, we've got a job. You know, it's uh, sort of one of these like fly in, fly out. Um, there's $2,000 budgeted for labor and travel and whatever all else. Um, and you know, are you available? And he, and they had dates and he said, I'm not available. And they said, okay, what about these dates? And he was like, okay, maybe let me check. Um, and so he was asking me, he was like, I don't know what to do. Um, he's like, it's sort of like enough money that I'm tempted to say yes, but you know, all these other things. And I was like, I told him, um, I think you should tell them your rate and be willing to walk because they really like working with you. They've already told you that they're working with you because they don't like someone else. And he was like, oh, I feel like I've got to acknowledge what they said in the budget thing. And I wrote a a text out for him and I said, just send them this. Um, And it was like, because uh, the producer had said, let's lock those days then after he said that he might be available. And he was like, I didn't, I don't know the creative. I don't know the, you know, they just told me a number. And I was like, say, I'd love to lock those days. My rate is $1,500. I do half days for travel for the two travel days. And if that all works, then I'd love to lock it in. And he's, he's like, I sent the message and I'm so worried. And literally five minutes later, the producer texted back and was like, we can do that. And right. it was like, he went from, getting $2,000 to $3,000 for the same job. And all he did was say what he wanted instead of taking what he was given. And I think that's one of the things that like I look at is I've spent so much of my career just taking what I've given. And there's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And when you're starting out, you don't have any leverage. You don't have enough work. You know, you can say yes to everything. But I think that a lot of us have gone through this tension of like, how do you start having a seat at the table in that conversation and it's not so one-sided. So that's why I'm sort of curious, right. you know, where you're at. Well, it's that. really, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I think where you're at now, I like to know, like 
the creative and who's attached to it, especially like director, if a producer is reaching out just, and I guess vice versa, if a director is reaching out, I want to know the producer, I want to know the AD just because that gives me a quick gauge on how serious this project is. Like how serious mm -hmm. are they taking it? What are the resources? And then I know that like, okay, this is something worth my time. But, um, the thing that's hard is like, you gotta, if you're hacking the system and like really just jumping into the industry, that's your starting point. Like you then kind of train yourself to take every opportunity and then right. growing out of that at what point, because I think you also have to be honest with like your skill set, whether you're going to build like a production company or you're going to try to go to like LA or New York and like do that whole thing and just be your lone wolf. Like, and knowing also the market you're in. So you have like, when do you make the jump professionally, like your market, what you're good at, what you're trying to build, what you're trying to do. It is such a, I guess that was why my answer wasn't very concise on your initial question is just, there's so many different variables. I know you're trying to make it, what would I do? But I guess my mind goes to all the options and different variables that you could have when you're responding to that question. Um, right. Well, and, it, and that's where it's like, I think that's part of what I'm excited oh, to get such into. such a hard question. <laughs> In answer. the money conversation is like, because in our industry, like there's people who are getting paid, you know, 200, 300, $400 a day who are really talented. And there's people who are getting paid $30,000 a day. And there's people, you know, there's this whole range. And depending on the kind of work you're doing and your skill set and your industry and whatever else, um, I've been a big fan. I would definitely recommend to anyone who's interested in this sort of thing. Like, go listen to and read everything Blair Ends has ever written or put out there. He has a podcast with a guy called David Baker called Two Bobs, um, and they have so much really good information on this. But w one thing that um, that he said that, like, rings in my ears all the time in these con conversations is that one of the critical mistakes creative people make is thinking that money is related to competence and that it's actually far more correlated to confidence and yes. that the confident person 100%. is the person who gets paid. It's not the competent person. And I think agree. for me early on in my career, I was so worried about being competent and getting better and better and better and waiting for the money to show up. And then the money doesn't show up and you keep getting taken advantage of and whatever else. And, and you start to realize like, Oh, and then you start seeing other people who you might go like, my work is better than that. And they're getting paid a ton of money, you know, where they're doing really well. They're really busy. Their clients respect them. They have whatever else. And so much of that has more to do with confidence, your perception of yourself, your willingness to perceive opportunity to say no and walk away from things um, changes your reality a lot faster than getting like 5% better at lighting does. So question though, yeah. I agree, but in a journey, like how would you recommend that transition happen because you to me like a bunch of confidence at the beginning when you really don't have the skill set even though i do agree with that statement that you just said um is kind of a fool's errand like you need a you got to get into that confidence over time i think right. so what like how do you transition i think in your mind? i think you can always have the confidence honestly i think that the the you can practice having that conversation relatively early on in your career i think the dollar values just change like uh, you know i remember oh, I you're saying. 
getting called to do like graphic design projects when I was 16 um, and people being like, hey, can you make us a poster for 50 bucks or whatever? And I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's like, if you're working for 50 bucks, if you're second shooting weddings for $100, like whatever you may be doing, I think that to practice that skill of saying, this is what I need or to practice like holding some degree of your own in a negotiation. And there are situations where someone's going to come in and you're going to get a project or a client or whatever else. And the right move may be to just sort of lay down and take whatever's given to you. Cause that is the, the most valuable thing. But I think to practice even at those early levels, how to say, this is what I need. These are the limitations. You know, even I, I got a call, um, from a director a while ago and it was a real <laughs> breath of fresh air because he was like he was like I want to make sure that we are like compensating you for pre-production time and talking about like how many hours are expected out of that and stuff and like that was something that I just thought no one talked about like my understanding yeah. was like DPs get paid for days on set and everything else you just do it's like that's part uh, of why we color. get paid more than other right. people yeah whether it's pre-pro making decks pulling references and so to start meeting other people who are like oh no you can get paid for that like maybe your rates are lower or higher but like you can still have that conversation and practicing having that conversation is a skill that's really valuable no matter what part of your career you're in i agree i think it's also though again kind of difficult when a lot of people have hacked their way to where they're at and they probably at their core kind of feel like they're in a position that they don't really deserve right imposter that, syndrome exactly. really f's the whole thing up yeah so i think that's kind of why it's important i think to have those people um like we talked about i don't know what episode when like you had like five people in different areas of your life that kind of help um guide you and to have those people that have taken the journey before you and can really i don't know even if it's just giving you some encouragement like you're worth it <laughs> I know that sounds kind of right. corny but to have those people in your corner that you can you can talk about um these hard issues to and get their opinion is like super important Right. Totally. When you, when you've kind of hacked your way, I guess, or when you feel like you've hacked your way. Well, and I think that's the thing that's like, that was part of the conversation I had with my friend earlier. Cause he was like, he was like, who says no sane person says no to $2,000 for three days of work. And I was like, sure. If I offered you $2,000 to go shoot a wedding this weekend, would you do it? And he was like, no. And I was like, so it's not about the money. It's that you right. don't do that. And so I think that's the thing is like so often the imposter syndrome kicks in and says, you're not better than this. And it's not about if you're better than this. It's the wrong challenge is to say that like, oh, when your your ego kicks in or or the challenge to your ego and it's like, oh, you're, you know, I think I've had all these thoughts that are like, if I say no to this, you know, that's like a full month of work for people. That's like a trip. That's a vacation. That's this chunk of my mortgage. That's whatever else. And it's like, you can't really look at it that way. A lot of the times it's like, where, where do I want to go? And is this a part of my progression? Cause like the other way that I look at it is like, when I get called for stuff like that, I got called for something a little while ago that was this, like, you know, they wanted to do a small commercial, uh, you know, sort of one man band, uh, director, producer, DP sort of thing. 
and the budget was like $7,500. And there's some part of me that can justify that and be like the amount of time it would take me, it's enough money. But like the thing that I came down on is like, I was doing that six years ago. I'm not doing that again. Like, and if I ever have to, and like the house is on fire, I will. But like, just for the sake of where I want to go, like this is not progressing me, you know? And that's where like, I think there's something to be said for it's not always like a strict financial linear path because you know we've talked about like well you got to be secure in your finances to do what you just did a lot of people aren't that's just the reality right and and that's where like being stable enough to afford to say no is a big deal but also i think that's where it's like it's not just the money it's the sense of like all the pieces around it and you having the ability to say no to things that aren't a good fit and to say yes to things that are a better fit. And there's like a lot of stuff in your life that has to line up for that to play out. But I think practicing saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I would need to do. That is a skill that just pays off big but, time. I mean, you're not, you're not saying, saying no, in a, like going back to your initial question, you're just saying um, basically counter their offer with what you know you need either resources, money, time, et cetera, to accomplish what they're asking, right? Yeah, but that that only means anything if you're willing to walk, you know, because if they come back and they go, uh, no, this is what we budgeted, this is what we need, you know, it is what it is, and you say, okay, fine, then guess what happens when they come back? They're not going to listen to you at all. They're just going to be like, he's going to he's gonna flare up for a second and then he's going to give what we take him. And so that's right. the thing that's like, if you don't say no, your yes doesn't mean anything is like once you get pushed down and then if you do that repeatedly with people and you say, this is what I want and they say, well, this is what I'll give you and you go, okay, fine, okay, fine, okay, fine. There's a fine line there with like compromise. But if you're always getting beat down, those people will continually beat you down. Um, right. because that's just the pattern that you're training in them. And so you have to be willing to walk from some of these things. And I've walked from, there's production companies that I know have reputations of taking their sweet ass time to pay people. And I just refuse to work for them. And I've told them that I'm like, I'm not until you get your crap together. I'm not working with you. There are people who have taken advantage of friends of mine that I refuse to work for. There's people who, you know, for whatever reason, so, I, like uh, how do you though, move into that confidence what are you what would you recommend is it asking other people around you that you would say that you're on comparable level knowing their rates combined with like getting your financial shit in order and then like is it writing down your goals and where you want to be and always keeping these at the forefront of your thoughts like how does one get into that because i think we've i mean you've said a lot of good things about what you would do now but I still don't think there's anything that's if I mean, if we're looking at this as like helping people, I don't, I don't know. But uh, how people listening can take steps to get to the confidence um, yeah. to say no or to at least respond in situations with I know this is what I need and having that confidence. Yeah, I think um, I think there's probably two or three main things. One is talk to other people and ask questions that make you uncomfortable Um, and those questions are like like ask other people about rates ask people about budgets ask like what did you get paid for that uh 
I, my experience has been there's some people who get really cagey, but most people are comfortable sharing. And, you know, I, I try to share back, but that information is always helpful. I, cause I think when you're in a vacuum and a client goes, that sounds like a lot of money, you go, oh shit, maybe it is a lot of money. Maybe I right. am crazy, maybe whatever else. And then like, I was just talking to a, a friend at an agency about a three deliverable 30 second campaign, uh, e e 330s that are all predominantly, um, licensed phone footage, basically. It's called like user generated content, you know, but right. it's like VO. And I was like, what's the budget for that? And they were like $80,000. And so that's a helpful piece of information for me that when I go in and someone's like, we want three shoot days, we want a crew, we want whatever else. And you say, okay, well, that's whatever. Call it 10, 20, 40, $50,000, whatever you're saying, $200,000. And they go, that sounds like a lot of money. It's like, that's cool. Then you should hire someone else to do it instead of going, you're right. That is a lot of money. This doesn't make sense. Talk so myself out of it. First, it's like gathering da data. Like yeah. Getting more information so that you have some metrics for that. If you don't know how to like actually make a budget or anything too, because I think that's another thing that's like starting out if you're on the more like working with client side, you, we all just make numbers up, right? You're sort of like, I don't know, like you're back of the napkin math where you're like my time at this rate and my costs and like learn how to actually like budget for things and to be able to stand by a number. And there's like different schools of thoughts on that. But like, and if it's your rate, then like pick a rate and stick with it. And that's where the other thing I was going to say is just like be better at generating opportunity because i think one thing that's true of um photographers cinematographers production companies ad agencies is there's this like cobbler's kids have no shoes sort of scenario where we all love marketing everyone else and we're all horrible at actually marketing ourselves and so you don't get that many calls and then when someone calls you have to say yes because you don't have any other work and it's like if there's anyone that should be drowning in opportunity it's all of us because we have all the skill sets but we choose not to use them um and so i think that's one thing where like if you if you get that gut feeling a few times in a row that's like oh i didn't want to say yes to this but i had to I would say say no to the next one and take those two or three days you said no to and freaking go get lunch with people or do something, but like generate more opportunity for yourself so that you don't have to keep working with people who are not giving you what you want. Cause there's so much opportunity and so much work out there and you're just only exposed to a, a very small portion of it. So we have gather data, yep. generate um, more opportunities for yourself. Yep. And then what would be the, you think you're, is there a third step there? I, I think the third one, there's probably something else, but I think the biggest one is just freaking practice saying no. Like, just do it and you'll be fine. And that's the most shocking part is when you say no and you turn down a job and the world doesn't end uh, and like you still get called again or whatever else. It's sort of like how I felt when I quit Instagram and unfollowed everyone and I was like, I'm never going to work again. Right. And I will tell you, I didn't feel a single dent in the amount of calls that I got. Um, and like this guy today who was like, if I tell them this is my rate, they're never going to call me again. And I was like, I a hundred percent guarantee you that won't happen. I bet something better will happen. And he sent the message that was like, this is my rate, you know, sort of take it or leave it. And they said, yeah, that's fine. And like, as you start just doing that and it works, you'll do it more, but you have to just start doing it. And it's not going to work every time. Some people are going to say, no, we don't have the money. No, we can't do that. Whatever. But just so like practice. What you're it. saying is your data <laughs> yep opportunities practice saying no yep be, be a dawn bruh 
be a be Don. A Don. <laughs> hey, my Dad boy. Joke. That sucked. I <laughs> Where's Quentin when you need him? You. Yeah, seriously. Need more dads in our life. But uh, yeah, for those, the sound those, effects. Those are my <laughs> tips there. Because I think that's the biggest thing, though, is like practicing it. Like I, I had a pricing thing that was like that earlier this year where I got called about a photo shoot and they wanted to do like event coverage of a photo shoot mm-hmm. of this thing. Um, and I forget what the original quote was. It was like $2,000 or something for a few hours. And then they wanted to add, they emailed and were like, okay, we want to add employee portraits and uh, product photos to the day. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. And I sent them a new quote. Um, and I really waffled on this because I was like, I could just do it. And I sent them a new estimate that was like, um, I forget what it came out to, but it was something like 7,500 bucks. It was basically like three different shoots plus lights and an assistant for the headshots and portrait photos. Um, and they came back and they were like, oh, you know, this, this seems a little steeper than we expected. And I explained it. I was like, here's why it is what it is. And I, I sort of stood my ground, um, and I was like, I'm going to just lose the whole job, whatever. <laughs> and they came back and they were like, we really still want to do the event stuff. That's a priority for us. So we can do just that at the $2,000 or whatever it was. And we want to do the headshots and portrait stuff later at your allotted rate, but we're just going to wait on that. And that's another like, it's not cash in hand at that moment, but I just saved myself. I put another like $5,000 on the table for work that I was going to do anyway, you know? Right. And it's like whether or not I made that day easier and got the same amount of money or whether or not. And and that's where like there's a line here where you can, you know, serve people. I'm not saying like be a pain in the butt about everything, but I'm saying that as you start to feel out these things and learn about these things, and really you should learn about these things, um, it's crazy like getting that email back was like this odd adrenaline rush of like, you're so scared at saying no. Right. And then standing your ground. And then when it works, it's like, holy crap. I just yep. like got into the matrix or something, you yep. know, Rocky at the top of the stairs. Um, yeah, I think, uh, practicing too. like, I, I'm a little hot headed naturally. <laughs> and o- over the years, like just simmering down a little bit and learning, even if it's like, Type a really quick response, but don't send it. Right. And learning correct uh, etiquette and being a respect, you know, a respectful response, but still being firm and being having the confidence in what you're bringing to the table is like, I don't know. That's a skill that I I would encourage you if you don't have to like learn as fast as you can. Right. It's so helpful. Right. And just be direct. Like you don't have to be rude or mean or emotional. But like even in that conversation we had with our friend, he was like, I feel like I have to say like, I totally get it if that doesn't work or I'm sorry, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, you don't have to hedge anything. Just say this is what it is. Right. Period. The end. Like you don't have to, you don't go into Starbucks and be like, how much yep. is a Frappuccino? About and they're like, five bucks. Yep. I'm so sorry. If you can't afford mm-hmm. it, I get it. Like it just is what it is. And in this world, it's the same thing. Like just practice being direct. And that's another like little tip is if like, if you're on the phone with someone and like, what's your rate? Say the number and don't say anything else. Let them and speak first. You, yeah. Let it be awkwardly silent. If you're going to drop a budget on someone and you're going to say, they say, okay, what are you thinking? You say, whatever, let's say, $50,000. Just wait because they will fill the gap and they will give you the power when they fill the gap. They might not give you what you want, but you need to let that simmer for a minute. Um, and another little tip, which I'll, I'll credit this to Chris Doe, is um, I've been practicing this in the last year. Anytime you're quoting ranges, I say the high number first now. 
Um, and that's a little tip that was, cause when you go small number and the small number is already bigger than what they're thinking, you like sticker shock them and they don't even hear the second number. So if you say like, oh, what's that going to cost? Like even let's say, you know, what do you think you need G and E wise to get this done? If you're talking to like a DP instead of a production company and you say 20 to $40,000, like they hear 20 and their ears start ringing and 40 isn't even on the map. And then right. they go, how do we get that down to 15? Right. Where if you go. 40 to 20 they hear 40 and they go holy crap and then they go 20 that doesn't sound quite so bad <laughs> <laughs> that's so smart that is so smart but uh so anytime that we're quoting ranges now we say the higher number no, first so and i found that that helps a lot because it anchors them in their mind because the other thing is the client you know we were talking about a situation where production gave an end client a couple options and clients always tend to choose middle or low options is my experience like you got to get a really ballsy client who goes for a high option um and Blair Ends has this awesome book called Pricing Creativity that I would 100% recommend to anyone but he talks about price anchoring a lot and he talks about how when you go into like a high end like luxury clothing store and there's like a $400 t black t-shirt near the front door he goes that t-shirt exists exclusively to make $200 t-shirts look cheap because the only way you can judge value is relative to something else and so when you tell a client Twenty to forty thousand dollars, and their reference point is five thousand dollars. They hold up twenty thousand dollars and five thousand dollars, and your thing seems really expensive. But when you go a hundred to fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars sounds like a deal compared to a hundred. So it's all controlling what people are comparing no, totally. to. Um, and I think that's another skill that's like just how you're managing that conversation and managing the comparisons that you allow people to make because people will say, "Oh, well, I could get so and so to do it for X." x like our last i had a call like this a few years ago where they were like hey we want you and your red that's how old you know this was because i still had a red your red <laughs> your shuttle dolly lights client monitor whatever else um and we have a thousand dollars budgeted for everything and i was like okay go pound sand and they were like okay well then how about whatever and i was like how about this you pay me my rate and you go get all the gear from a local rental house and you figure it out and and they were like oh well our last DP brought all that stuff for a thousand dollars. And I was like, then hire so, him. <laughs> right. So I think it's a perfect example of if you gotta be continuously getting data. Right. Like don't just be okay with a production company doing that to you. And if you're equipped with the answers from questions you've asked people smarter than you, peers, et cetera, then you will go into those conversations ready for an appropriate response. And don't feel like because someone else did it, you have to do it. Like exactly. there's always a new village idiot. And when I was, you know, I think I touched on this before, but when I was doing music stuff, it was like, oh, well, we've got some college kid that'll do it for 500 bucks. It's like, great, then freaking hire him. I'm not right. him, you know. And why are you like, talking to me? Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like, there's a reason they're talking to you and you yep. have to hold on to that. And they're going to try and convince you that it's all the same and whatever else. But, you know, coming back to the Starbucks thing, it's like you don't go in and go, I could get a, a Cumberland Farms coffee for a dollar. It's like, then go to Cumberland Farms, dude. This isn't right. the same thing. Well, it's funny, like when they go in, when you go into Starbucks to buy said drink, they have based that off of data. Right. That that costs for that drink you know, their expenses and then and profit. So like, you should have the same confidence when you're giving the response about your, um, your, your, your rate. Um, right. Apparently, I don't but <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I just I, I take it all of us. Yeah, I just take it slower. Like, I mean, I turned down a, a travel job I told you about a couple yeah. weeks back. And it was just like, No, sorry, I did the math. And I was like, this is not this is not even close to okay. Um, for what I have brought to the table. Um, so I think 
to answer the question I've asked twice to you and you've have I not answered a question? No, just because I think a lot of people like the time we live in is there's a lot of people that have just um, that have gone untraditional routes into into our industry and going from starting out where you kind of need to say yes to a lot of opportunities to like being more picky like that transition. It's kind of it's just weird. It's awkward the whole time. Yeah. Well, and so, so I think, the- you know, if people just if they can take anything away from this, it's like I think three points that you touched on are perfect. The data, the, um, the continuously looking out for new opportunities and being your best cheerleader. Um, and then just practicing saying no, I think are ways that people can kind of slowly go from being unsure about themselves to very confident in what they bring to the table. Right. And try and find other people who you can be honest with about that stuff. Like my buddy who was like, Hey, what should I say? And I got to push him a little bit and it paid Mm -hmm. off for him. I have people like that in my life that I've said, Hey, I got offered this. I feel like this isn't the right number. This isn't the right deal, whatever else. What should I say? And having people who can back you up when you start to chicken out because you will start to chicken out is helpful. And I think there is another thing. There's this other uh, quote. I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's about these like two levels of success um, and that like level one of success. I think Chris Doe talks about this, but I don't know if it's his quote is the idea that like you get to the top of level one by hustling as hard as possible and saying yes to everything. Um, And then you get to the top of level one. And if you want to move through level two, you win level two by saying no to almost everything and only accepting things that have significant strategic advantage towards moving you towards your end goal. And I think that's something that's like what you're talking about is there is that first phase, right? That's like, mm-hmm. will you do a music video? Will you do a wedding video? Will you do a video for my church? Will you take a picture of my dog? And it's like, yeah, just say yes to all that stuff um, and just learn and learn and learn. I think the tricky part is what you're, I think what you're trying to get at is like, what's the delineation between phase one and two? Because I think we're in phase two portions of our career now. And I think that you just have to feel that out and decide for yourself. Like, I don't well, know I think if you give those marker, I know if we're going to use those three like point steps, uh, recommendations, whatever you want to call them. Um, You're ah, dead. Yep. <laughs> the ah. end. <laughs> and yeah, I think when you start implementing those three points that you suggested, I think the transition will just present itself. And I think everyone's on a different journey. So uh, that kind of answered, I guess, my, my initial question back to you is like, how does that happen? Um, yeah, yeah I think everyone could do better at all those, <laughs> yeah, all those totally. different things. No, the no part is probably the hardest part for most people because it just right. feels very, I don't want to say mean, but I don't know. It's just yeah. very awkward sometimes to say no. Well, and I think that's something that's like, uh, it's it's just not, it's another conversation we never learn how to have, right? Because in yeah. that phase one, you're always saying yes, and so you don't know how to say no. And so like, I got a call from a producer recently that was like, hey, are you available on the 11th to go to Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they might listen to this, but that's okay. And uh, I was like, let me check my calendar. Um, and I did, I, I went back and checked and I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I just already know that this, the classic, has... let me check my calendar too. That's something I use when I know that I don't want to do something. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, sometimes I do have to check my calendar, but it's definitely also a stalling technique. Yeah. Um, but there was sort of this thing that's like, I don't want to do this. Like, I know that it's not going to pay super well. It's not a good experience. It's not like a project, a project that's going to go on my reel. And so it just, just doesn't check any of the boxes. And it's always that question of like, 
how do you say that in a way that like doesn't come off as mean? And I don't think it is. I think it's just like honest, right? Like if I if I called Khalid tomorrow and was like, hey, dude, do you want to come sh- like shoot this <laughs> vlog with me? He'd be like, yeah, dude, sorry. That's not really where I'm at right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I should be capable of accepting that. And if the people who are, you are, who are hiring you can't accept that, like they've got their own problems there, you know? But like I think that's a, a big thing is that some of us interact with like egomaniacs early in our career like i know some musicians who i've worked with who i've like said no to and they've been like you're crazy and i'll just go find someone else and it's like dude i've just got other stuff going on you know or your song sucks ass yeah or i just don't want to do it i i did i there's two things there that i was thinking of i got called for this thing a while ago and i did i went back to the guy and i was like honestly like i think i'm gonna have to pass um you know the rate's a little lower than what I'm looking for. Like there isn't really the crew and gear budget that I would like to execute the concept. Um, and I just sort of like can't justify it at this point. And he he sort of like briefly turned back on it and was like, I don't want to have to like sell you on my project. Like this is whatever. And I was like, then don't like, I I've already, no, you're like, no, I I don't want to do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can, you can try and come back and solve the problems that I have, or you can just go find someone else and that's fine. But like, I think that's a a thing that's fair to say. And like, I I got a similar thing where a musician sent me a track last week and was like, Hey, I want to do a song. I want to do, a video for my new single and I was like can you send me the track can you send me the track and I was like do you have a concept and I I didn't love the track um and he was like I don't have a concept I want to develop something and I was like yeah honestly I'm just gonna have to pass on this one thanks for thinking of me though right um and I think that's something that's like it comes back to that always hedging thing that's like we have to be like oh I'm super busy or I whatever and it's like I just don't want to do it that's fine like it's okay to not want to do something and sometimes that will make said client or other clients want you more and pursue you harder Totally. And that's, that's the other funny thing is that like, there's a level of respect that comes from being able to say no. Um, and that's something that David Baker talks a lot about. He has a really good book called the business of expertise, but this idea that's like experts are in high demand and can afford to say no to things. If you can't afford to say no, it is clear to the person on the other side that you're not an expert. Um, and so that the process of saying no reinforces the perception that you are an expert who is valuable. You know, if you went to your dentist and we're like, I don't really want to pay that. And he's like, Oh, well I really need the work and whatever else. It's like, we know that that's not how that works. Like those people are all drowning in opportunity and get to pick what they want and pick what they want to do. And if they're like, no, this is sort of below what I'm doing. They say no and they move on. They're also very uh, specific in their expertise, which is a whole nother topic. Right. There's a whole nother expert part of that. But I think that thing is like saying no. If you were to call someone like Khalid or Max Goldman or Patrick O'Sullivan or whoever else, you wouldn't expect them to just say yes to anything. They also wouldn't pick up. They'd say talk to my agent. (laughs) Right. But even the people who don't have agents, let's say like, you know, those guys don't just say yes to everything. And the biggest difference there isn't and I mean this in the best way possible, but like the difference there isn't skill set so much as it is confidence again. It's like they mm-hmm. just are willing to say no. It's not that they're 10 times more talented than you. They just say no, which leads to better opportunities the, instead of being stuck in the cycle of shooting crappy stuff you don't want to with no budget and no plan. And so it's like you have to start that upward spiral, but it all comes down to you controlling the conversation. The end. The end. We're only 25 minutes over.